Plenty of people complain about obnoxious crowds on rivers in northern Michigan, but there's not much anyone can do about it. Being drunk on your kayak doesn't mean you are disorderly. You have to be drunk in a public place and pose a direct threat to someone's safety. It appears an effort to ban alcohol on some of the most popular rivers up north is dead. Does anyone have any other ideas? Plus, Charlevoix is a popular destination for tourists that sits smack dab on a Superfund site. Many thought the pollution was cleaned up, but it's not. Also, a ferry service is coming to Little Traverse Bay. That's coming up on Points North. I'm Noelle Riley. If you're upset by drunken crowds on northern Michigan rivers, don't expect any action soon. This week, the U.S. Forest Service said it will not ban alcohol on the Osable, Pine, and Manistee rivers. And at a forum about the Boardman River Wednesday, a DNR officer explained they can't even arrest people for being drunk on the water. Taylor Wisner covers tourism for IPR, and she joins me now. Hi, Taylor. Hey, Noelle. So the Forest Service has been talking about this for more than a year. And again, they're not going forward with the ban. So are they giving up? That's a good question, and it kind of looks like they are. There was so much opposition to the alcohol ban last year that the Forest Service is trying really hard to find another solution. But drunken behavior, accidents, and littering hasn't stopped on the rivers. Okay, so what are they going to do now? Well, they're going to try to keep this education program going another year. It started last year, and all it is is increasing the Forest Service presence at launch sites and posting signs asking people not to litter. It's tough because the Forest Service is already strapped for resources. Last summer, they moved most of their forest recreation officers over to the rivers, but they still need more help. So this summer, they're actually getting more interns who can help watch over the water. All right. So is there any evidence that educating people is making a difference? Not really. Some people I spoke with said it helped that there were more Forest Service officers around, But there's really only so much you can do to influence people without there being any penalties. The Forest Service admits there was still a lot of alcohol issues over the summer. And some of these issues were being discussed at a forum hosted by IPR Wednesday evening about recreation on the Boardman. What did we hear there? We heard a lot about alcohol. So property owners were upset that hundreds of people a day sometimes from organized paddling tours were loudly paddling by their homes on the river, drinking beer in their kayaks and littering. And a DNR conservation officer confirmed they can't enforce anything about alcohol. There's no such thing as being ticketed for being drunk on a river. You can only get ticketed if you're directly threatening someone. Hmm, okay. Yeah, it's, it's sort of a running theme that people just don't know what they can do on a public waterway. A question came up whether the city could limit the total number of people using the river to sort of manage crowds of people on the weekends. Mm-hmm. But the DNR conservation officer, Joe Molnar, says it would be really hard to do that. There's a lot of red tape they'd have to go through, and they don't have enough officers to enforce the rules. Here's Molnar. To try to stretch it out and say that only so many users can use a stretch of river, you know, that's difficult. That would be saying that only a certain number of motor vehicles can drive on a highway. It's not quite at a crisis point on the Boardman right now, but as more people come out on the river, these issues are only going to get worse. Okay, thanks for the update, Taylor. Sure thing. Charlevoix, Michigan is known for its beaches, lighthouse, and fishing. So it might surprise you that a lot of its downtown is a Superfund site. 
Pollution was first discovered in the city's groundwater in 1981. Since then, Charlevoix residents have used Lake Michigan for drinking water and called it good. But now, the Environmental Protection Agency is back, and they have cleanup to do. One woman could lose her home in the process. Interlochen Public Radio's conservation journalist Kay LaFond has more. Barbara Godwin-Chulik bought her two-story building in downtown Charlevoix in 1980. It's got three apartments and commercial frontage. Chulik says it was perfect. Living space for her, a spot for her pottery studio downstairs, and rental income, which she needs to supplement the sale of her art. You know, I felt like I was really, you know, doing pretty well. And then a year later, you know, it was a knock on the door from the local health department guy and, and a guy from the DNR. Chulik's building previously housed a dry cleaner that used and dumped a chemical known as PCE. The soil beneath her home was contaminated. And that began this whole almost 40 years of not knowing what was going to happen next. In the next couple of years, Chulik has to decide whether to have her family home demolished. It all started in a pre-regulation era, when several dry cleaners and a tool shop in Charlevoix used and dumped industrial solvents on their properties. In the 80s, plumes of cancer-causing PCE and TCE were found in Charlevoix's groundwater. It was declared a Superfund site. The EPA built the city a roughly $3 million plant to get their drinking water from Lake Michigan. Laws were made prohibiting drinking water wells in the area. And the state of Michigan did some soil cleanup under Chulik's home. This was in the 90s. They did some kind of treatment and said to us, well, this, is, this should do the trick. Chulik had to trust that because moving was never an option for her. She raised her family in the building. And then, through advances in science, we learned that pollution left in the ground can still harm people, even if they don't touch soil or use the groundwater. Toxic chemicals can come into buildings in the form of vapors through cracks in foundations and basements. It's called vapor intrusion, and the EPA has been looking for it in Charlevoix. They've equipped 16 buildings in town, including Chulik's, with vacuum systems that keep vapors from entering. They also found more contamination, including a pool of PCE 16 feet beneath Chulik's home. They want to tear down her building, compensate her for its value, remove all of that contaminated soil, and give her back a vacant lot. But she's worried she won't be given enough money to build a new home. And she's worried about her family's health after they lived on the site for decades. This whole situation, I feel like, you know, I want to just do it all over again. I wish I could have been way more proactive instead of feeling invaded. Chulik could say no to having her home demolished, but then cleanup would take longer, and the pollution under her building affects her neighbors. Nobody from the EPA was available for an interview despite numerous requests from IPR, but we spoke with the Michigan Department of Environment, Great Lakes and Energy. They were working closely with the EPA on the site, and they basically said, yeah, back in the 90s, we didn't know about vapor intrusion, and we didn't know about these other sources of contamination. And once we knew, we acted. The EPA's new proposed cleanup for all of Charlevoix will cost more than $15 million. In addition to Chulik's home, they want to demolish two other commercial buildings downtown in the next three years. 
In November of 2019, a 30-day public comment period opened on the EPA's new cleanup plan. And according to Mark Heidloff, there was lots of confusion about it at a public meeting in December. The sense I have is that this is a thing that everybody thought was cleaned up 30 years ago. Heidloff is Charlevoix's city manager. He calls the EPA's communication with residents before that meeting lackluster. They, they cited at their first public meeting that sometimes the mail doesn't work well in northern Michigan, which I consider to be a slap in the face to all of us who live up here. He wrote a letter to the EPA urging them to keep public comment open until this January so Charlevoix residents could, quote, more thoughtfully engage. I had very good conversations with Senator Stabenow's office and Representative Bergman's office. And thankfully, the EPA has extended the public comment period. We spoke with the pastor of a local church where the EPA is also testing, and he said they were helpful and answered his questions. He also thinks they were responsive to the complaints they got at the meeting. They encouraged the formation of a citizens group. Barb Chulik says now, at least, she feels less alone. I'm really just so grateful, I really am, that this is being addressed and getting handled. And it's finally. She still doesn't know what she's going to decide. But the EPA says if they can execute their cleanup plan the way they want, the groundwater should completely recover in 35 years. And again, if you want to visit, a reminder that Charlevoix's drinking water comes from Lake Michigan and is safe. For Points North, I'm Kay LaFond. And Little Traverse Bay is getting a new ferry service. It will run from Petoskey to Harbor Springs. Peter Fitzsimons runs the Visitors Bureau in Petoskey. He says a ferry is great for those who don't get on the water much. You know, like Driver City, like Charlevoix, like Petoskey and Harbor Springs, we live here, but not all of us, uh, actually rarely do many of us get an opportunity to get out on the bay. But he says it can be tough to make a buck. I don't understand the economics of uh, ferries, but if they were uh, really profitable, I'm sure we would see more. Mother Nature is so unpredictable, and you know you can you can spend a week in at the dock not being able to run out on the bay. The new ferry will be run by a nonprofit. Service will begin in late May. That's the show this week. I'm Noelle Riley. Peter Payette helps me produce Points North. Have a great weekend. Thank you.